What is up, movie lovers? Welcome to another edition of No Content for Old Men. I am your host, Matt Craig. We got a really fun show in store today. For those of you that have been following the newsletter for some time, you know that one of my most popular features has always been the top 10 movies on Netflix, but today we're bringing it back with a little bit of twist. I mean, by this point in the quarantine, you have probably already seen the classics on Netflix, like Taxi Driver or There Will Be Blood or Schindler's List. You've probably seen all the crowd pleasers like Groundhog's Day and Back to the Future a million times. You've probably seen comedies like The Other Guys and Get Into the Greek and rom-coms like Sleepless in Seattle and The Notebook. You don't need my recommendations to know you should watch those movies, but what I thought I could be a little bit more helpful in is pointing out some under the radar picks and I've got 12 of them. I, I tried to do 10 and I just, I had too many I liked. So here are some movies that hopefully you haven't seen or maybe even heard of, which you can throw on this week and enjoy. Uh, note, note for the other cinephiles out there, I didn't go as obscure as I could have here. Um, these are for the most part movies that are, you know, quote unquote known amongst the film community, but based on some conversations with friends and, you know, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And, uh, I, I don't think these movies have reached a mass audience. So here we go. Counting down 12 to one, the hidden gems of Netflix. Let's get it started. Number 12, Tootsie. It's really difficult to say that a movie that got nominated for 10 Oscars is really a hidden gem, but I had never seen this movie, um, mostly because it came out in 1982, and, you know, that's 38 years ago. Uh, but I absolutely loved it, and it's directed by Sidney Pollack and has, you know, one of the all-time classic performances by Dustin Hoffman. Uh, he plays a pretentious actor who's such a diva that he drives directors crazy. And for those of you that follow behind the scenes stuff, you know that that's really not too far from the truth. Um, but then his character here dresses up like a woman and lands a role on a soap opera that becomes a sensation. And as you'd expect, he falls in love with his female co-star. The movie, it's really funny, especially with Bill Murray as uh, as Hoffman's roommate. He, Bill Murray's in a totally different movie, but he's hilarious. And the movie is earnest and sweet. Qualities that worked really well in movies in the 1980s probably wouldn't anymore. In fact, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about <laughs> whether this movie could be made today. And the answer is probably no, but uh, as a perfect 1980s movie... It's super fun and super sweet, and uh, you should definitely check it out if you haven't. So 1982's Tootsie is my number 12. Number 11, The Death of Stalin, which is a movie about, you guessed it, the death of Stalin, <laughs> which when you think about the transition of power in the Soviet Union, you do not think comedy, but director Armando Iannucci, who was the original showrunner for the HBO show Veep, found a way to make a seriously funny comedy. Steve Buscemi is Nikita Khrushchev. Jeffrey Tambor from Arrested Development and other shows is George Malenkov. And even if you have no idea who those people were in real life, and I'll be totally honest with you, I didn't either, you're going to find a story that's really funny and surprisingly informative. It lampoons the Russian 
communist government structure uh, in a really smart way while also just being you know a hilarious uh, political satire in much the same way those early seasons of Veep were. Uh, the death of Stalling was honestly of the all the movies I've seen this year one of the most surprisingly delightful uh, movies that I've checked out. So there you go, number 11. Number 10, Okja. By now, you've definitely heard of Parasite, and hopefully, because I've recommended it a handful of times in the newsletter, you have also watched Snowpiercer on Netflix from director Bong Joon-ho. But here is the one that I feel like is criminally underappreciated, and it's Okja, which is a movie about uh, a powerful multinational company kidnapping a half-elephant, half-pig sort of beast named Okja. It's it's a very weird choice, um, but how about this cast? I mean, come on. Tilda Swinton, Paul Dano, Jake Gyllenhaal, Giancarlo Esposito. I mean, the cast goes on and on. Um, and ostensibly, you know, it's a movie about the way we treat animals and we treat nature uh, in search of the mighty dollar. But it's it's bizarre <laughs> and it's really funny and uh, it, the story comes together into a pretty tight little thrill ride. So I highly recommend anything that Bong Joon-ho makes and there are others. I don't think they're on Netflix, but um, I highly, highly recommend 2017's Okja. Maybe my favorite Netflix original movie and definitely the only one on this list. Number nine, Good Time. And I know that the Safdie Brothers' other movie, their most recent movie, Uncut Gems, just hit Netflix last month, and it's definitely by far the splashier entry. You know, when you're any movie that you got starring Adam Sandler <laughs> alongside Kevin Garnett, um, that, that's going to draw a lot of attention. And honestly, I thought that movie got snubbed for the Academy Awards last year. But I think the brothers' more impressive cinematic feat was actually 2017's Good Time, starring Robert Pattinson alongside Benny Safdie, one of the brothers, and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee also makes a appearance in the movie. But if you've seen Uncut Gems or anything that these guys have made, then you know what they do so well, which is you know create just a stressful, chaotic thrill ride that hits you in the face with plot, 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 um, and just never lets you take a breath for two hours. Uh, in this case, you know, about an hour 45, but, um, Robert Pattinson basically, you know, he's making bad, one bad decision after another, much like, uh, Adam Sandler's Howard Ratner in Uncut Gems. Uh, but Pattinson's trying to rescue his brother who has, uh, mental disabilities. And yeah, I mean, it is, you can see why these guys are two of the hottest young directors in Hollywood. I mean, they they do such a good job um, shooting and choreographing this story in New York City, of all places. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they just – they absolutely grab you and never let you go. So 2017 is a good time if you're looking for a good action movie. I cannot recommend it any more highly. Number eight. American Factory. I felt like I definitely needed at least one documentary on this list. I mean, Netflix has so many great ones, and I'm not talking about all the true crime genre, which Netflix has obviously done really well, but 
Um, I mean, obviously, Icarus is one of the greatest documentaries ever made. I, I really like Senna. They just added 20 feet from stardom onto there. But I chose American Factory, um, mostly because of the moment we find ourselves in as a country and uh, our current relations with China. It's this this movie, it just, it captures American capitalism and uh, the East versus the West so well. It's about a factory in Ohio that it gets shut down and all the employees there lose their jobs and a Chinese billionaire buys it and reopens it. And uh, the whole movie is about the Chinese and American employees of this com- company who have to overcome strong cultural differences to make this business work. Um, it's a sobering look at modern capitalism. And, you know, as academic as that sounds, it's absolutely fascinating um, to see how these cultures interact. And, you know, at one point, the American workers go to China and see what it's like over there. And just seeing these two groups, how the cultures do mesh in some ways and then absolutely do not in other ways, is one of the sharpest looks at American culture in 2020. So I highly recommend American Factory. Number seven, Green Room. If you've seen any movies by Jeremy Saulnier, the director of this movie, then you know what you're in for here. He also made Hold the Dark or Blue Ruin, which I believe are both on Netflix. He made Murder Party. What this guy does is tell a story. There's no themes. There's really no lessons to be learned here or deeper meaning. It's basically all about what's right there in front of you. He puts characters into very difficult situations and then they must fight to get out. In this case, that is quite literal. Uh, There's a punk band that gets a gig at this remote location and they find out it's not just a biker bar. It's a bar for neo-nazis um and when things go bad they get stuck inside the green room and they have to escape from these you know this murderous gang of neo-nazis uh led of all people (laughs) by the one the only patrick stewart sir patrick stewart um anton yelchin uh you know rest in peace anton yelchin and plays the lead character here but Again, it's not really so much about movie star performance. Uh, it's about visceral action um, and really not even action. It, you know, it's it's a tense, really tense movie um, that, you know, it, it's, it's very, very short, one hour and 35 minutes, and it's all about survival. Um, so it's one of those movies that you throw on, you have a great time, and you, you know, you can easily forget about later, but... As far as, you know, horror, thriller, that sort of genre, few people do it better than Jeremy Saulnier. Number six, and I'm not going to lie to you, all of the entries from here on out are going to start to sound familiar if you've read my newsletter for any amount of time. It's The Invitation. (laughs) I don't know how many times I have begged and pleaded with you guys to watch this movie over the years, but it's probably my favorite horror movie. Again, I needed a horror movie entry here. I mean, Netflix has definitely hit on something with the horror movies and they're stockpiling. You know, everything from Insidious to Sinister, the first Paranormal Activity, they've got a couple Scream movies on there. I mean, they are horror movie central. Um, But my favorite one is The Invitation from 2015, directed by Karen Kusama. 
and starring really no one that you'd recognize, which when it comes to a horror movie, I actually really like because it, it doesn't tip your hand as to, oh, this guy's going to survive till the end, you know, like it is when you see a movie star. But um, it's a really simple premise. You know, a, a guy he accepts an invitation to a dinner party that's in the Hollywood Hills and it's hosted by his ex-wife. So he's he doesn't, you know, he feels pretty unsettled by it. And then as the night goes on, things get weirder and weirder, and the tension ratchets up uh, as, as, yeah, as everything unfolds. And then things come to a head in just a moment of absolute chaos. But um, the way this movie plays with the things that you know and the things that you don't know, it is really really effective that's all i can tell you um i again without spoiling things i it's really hard to tell you <laughs> anymore but i love this movie i love uh again the way it develops and then crescendos at the end you should definitely if you haven't yet you should uh, find somebody <laughs> that you can curl up next to and and hold <laughs> when things get scary and for a 100 minutes enjoy the invitation on netflix number five francis ha you all know that I've recommended this movie so many times. You all know that this is one of my all-time faves. And it was really hard not to recommend Lady Bird here, as long as we're talking about Greta Gerwig, who co-wrote Frances Ha, but wrote and directed Lady Bird. Yes, Lady Bird is a superior movie. I don't think there's really anyone that can deny that. But for anyone who's around 25 years old like me and, and kind of going through that quarter-life crisis phase of life, there are a few movies that speak to the soul as much as this. I think Frances in the movie is 27, but um, yeah, she's you know she's a young woman just adrift in New York City. She's got big dreams and really no idea how she's going to achieve them. She's got romantic relationships that don't seem to be working and a friendship that uh, it kind of breaks apart as her friend enters a new phase of life and... It's, it is just so deeply relatable. Um, it kind of hits on those themes about ambition versus personal life and, and really what you do when you don't feel like you can achieve everything that you thought you were going to achieve um, as, you know, an adolescent. And it's, I would say it's not melancholy. Maybe I'm making it seem like it is. It's really kind of bittersweet with some moments that are truly funny and it's deeply relatable and it's just such a human movie um, that I feel like anyone that watches it, it just, it's one of those things that it's special. For me, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those out-of-body experiences that I've had with very few movies and, and honestly is the magic of movies, watching something like this. Um, I think if it applies to you, you're going to have a really special experience watching Francis Ha. Number four, Drive. And this is on the opposite end of the spectrum from Francis Hall. I really hope this movie is not relatable for you. <laughs> I really hope any of the movies by director Nicholas Winding Refn are nothing like your life. Uh, he makes hyper-violent, ultra-dark uh, movies. Uh, and some of them I don't think are as effective. Uh, but this movie is really, really coherent the action set pieces are gnarly, yes, but they're also so cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, you watch it and you're like, wow, how do they do that? You know, you find yourself rewinding. The premise here is pretty simple. Uh, there's a Hollywood stuntman driver 
by day, who by night moonlights as a getaway driver for crimes, played by Ryan Gosling. Gosling kind of tries to turn off the charm here. I think he says maybe less than 20 words in the whole movie, <laughs> but um, is still an absolute superstar in the lead role, and he's surrounded by Carrie Mulligan and Brian Cranston, Oscar Isaac, Albert Brooks, Ron Perlman. I mean, just an unbelievable cast, and... Really, like I said, the movie, it, it kind of continues to move in ways that the other Nicholas Winding Refn movies, I feel like he's just not worried about plot whatsoever. Um, this movie, you know, it has all of that moody tone, but then it also has a really compelling story and it's in a tight 100 minutes. I really, anyone who likes action movies, but kind of is sick of the really pulpy, predictable stuff, you cannot do better than drive um, from the action set pieces to the kind of surprising storytelling. This movie is great. So I highly recommend the 2011 action, hardcore, <laughs> gory at times thriller drive. Number three, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I probably can't call this movie the greatest romantic comedy of all time. Even though I want to, because uh, it's it is not your typical romantic comedy feel good story. Um, again, I, I would use bittersweet <laughs> as the descriptor here. You know, romantic drama maybe, but really the singular bizarre brilliance of Charlie Kaufman, screenwriter Charlie Kaufman, shines through once again. I, if I can't call it that, I may call this one of the greatest scripts ever written. Uh, It's incredibly inventive, so creative, so weird, but in the best possible way, um, yet it plays by its own rules. You know, the rules of the universe it sets up, it plays by. And it keeps you utterly fascinated, utterly on edge. And on top of, you know, that surface, that love story between Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, it asks this giant question about, you know, whether it's better to have loved and lost or never to have tried. And I think that in many, many avenues, but especially romantic, that is an incredibly thought-provoking question. And this movie does better than any other investigating that relationship in a way that's formally inventive. Again, you will be surprised throughout. You'll be like, what the heck? How do they think of this? With great performances, but it is so much more than what's on the surface, and that is what I really respect about it. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, wow. I find new layers that go deeper and deeper. And if you like romantic dramas like me, I don't know what that says about my idea of romance, but uh, I do have good taste in movies, and this is one of the best ever. Number two, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. If you want a romantic movie that's much more on the fun side, then you've come to the right place here. Edgar Wright, you may know him from movies like Baby Driver. He does nothing but up-tempo, super fun movies. And what he did with this one, as far as casting, it is one of the greatest casting assignments of all time. He somehow found, in 2010, the next generation of superstars and put them all in some of their first roles, very minor roles. We're talking about Brie Larson, who's now, you know, Captain Marvel. We're talking about Chris Evans, who played Captain America. We, we're talking about Aubrey Plaza before Parks and Recreation. 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Michael Sarah, Kieran Culkin, who now stars on Succession, Anna Kendrick, who's an A-list all-star, A-list superstar. But for all that star power, this movie is carried by its script. It is super funny, super sharp. It kind of plays with the comic book that it was inspired by and sort of a video game-esque um, aesthetic. And it comes together in a story about one kind of loser kid who gets a new girlfriend and then finds out he has to defeat her seven evil exes in order to win her heart. So it's it's really charming. Um, and like I said, just honestly one of the most entertaining movies from start to finish that I can think of. When you think about like the definition of a good time, you know, you want to sit down and, oh, you know, let's all watch something that's a good time. I don't really know that there are many better examples anywhere, not just on Netflix, than Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. It's got kind of like a, a musical undertone that drives it forward, like I said, kind of a video game sensibility um, and just knockout performances from every single place. So Edgar Wright, I tip my cap to you and my number two pick. Number one, Swiss Army Man. Honestly, the movie I find myself trying to convince people to watch, <laughs> knowing that they probably have never heard of it, is this. And the thing I love about it, honestly, is is on its face, it just looks way too weird to be approachable. Uh, it's basically about a guy in Paul Dano who gets lost in the woods and finds an animated dead corpse <laughs> played by Daniel Radcliffe. Yes, Harry Potter is a dead corpse in this movie. And somehow um, it's just an ultimate study in friendship and loneliness and survival. Uh, it hits on all of those larger themes while also being ultra funny uh, and really entertaining. It's it's heartwarming, although, you know, at times, uh, you know, deeply sad too. I mean, it really... It has the gamut of emotions and it's just super weird. <laughs> it, you know, I love movies that kind of like it put you on your heels um, by some kind of weird premise or setup or, you know, twists and turns. And this movie is absolutely one of those. Um, but then by the end, you're so invested in this relationship that when the big twist comes at the end, you know, you feel like you get hit by a Mack truck and you still walk away from it, you know, kind of heart warmed and uh, feeling like, wow, you know, you like you really discovered something all in 97 minutes. I mean, this is an hour and a half movie. Perfect for Netflix. You can throw it on at any time. A absolutely stunning performances. Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe and really one of the most uh, creative movies I can think of. So Swiss Army Man of all the movies, if you're going to watch one for me this week. Make it Swiss Army Man on Netflix. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of No Content for Old Men. If you've made it this far, I want to ask a small favor of you. Next week's show, we're doing something a little different. I want to do a Reader Rex edition of the podcast and of the newsletter. So here's what I need you to do. Send me a movie that you think I haven't seen or just a movie that you absolutely love, give me a short description of why you loved it or why you think I should watch it. 
and I will run that in next week's newsletter and podcast. And I will also watch that movie over the next week and add in my thoughts as well. So we're going to have a great collection of recommended movies from readers and listeners out there. I've already had two people give me really, really good suggestions of movies I haven't seen, and I'm really excited to dive into it. So thank you so much for supporting. Thank you for listening um, and sharing this podcast. It means the world to me. And send in those recommendations. I'm really excited to see what you guys come up with. Until next Friday, I guess I'll see you at the movies.